Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. and participating with the Solheims. They are missionaries that we support. There's information out there uh, next uh, on, on the long table there about the Solheims. For the last few weeks, we have had an opportunity in the bulletin to give to their ministry and their work. Uh, they are heading back to Honduras. I th- what? what is the date today? They're heading back to Honduras today. And so uh, if you'd like to participate in giving to them, we've given you that opportunity over the last uh, few weeks. But if you, if you forgot, there's information out there concerning their mis- uh, ministries. So you can take a peek there. We are in the book of Mark. And we've been there for a while, but that's okay. It's good to be in one of the Gospels. And uh, we are in Mark chapter 13. And this is uh, my fourth message on what is called one of the most controversial passages in the New Testament, along with Matthew 24 and 25 and Luke chapter 21, and not so much in the understanding. I think we have a a pretty clear understanding of the whole end-time stuff, but what the controversy is all about is over the fulfillment. When is all this stuff going to happen? And it's really what the disciples asked at the beginning of Mark chapter 13. If you take a look, uh, they asked Jesus in Mark chapter 13, verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the two sets of brothers, asked him privately, Tell us when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? And so the disciples have asked this question, when are these things going to happen? It's not so much the interpretation of how they're going to happen, but the, understand, but the uh, fulfillment of when. And uh, we have been going through our text using what might be called a premillennial dispensational view. And if you don't know exactly what that means, you can go home and look it up. Uh, But basically, it talks about a rapture, a tribulation, and and, uh, and then the second coming, and then the millennial kingdom. That's kind of the premillennial dispensational view. There are other views, and they are just as valid. And uh, you can take a look, uh, well, in Scripture, of course, to determine where you kind of stand on this. But that is what we have been uh, studying from, a premillennial dispensational view. So, does everybody know what day it is of the Passion Week that we've been on for 11 messages? Wednesday. Wednesday of the Passion Week. Very good. We are Wednesday of the Passion Week. We've been 11 messages on Wednesday of the Passion Week, all of chapter 12 and all of chapter 13. And so we are concluding chapter 13 here. And uh, if you have a bulletin, you can look on the back side there. And what I wrote is this. Our text today is the application of the truths found in Mark 13, 1 to 27. And basically, here is my take on this passage. Before the ship, the world, as the waters get more treacherous, birth pains, 
That's what the Bible says about the end times. They'll be like birth pains and they'll get worse and worse. Before the ship, the world, as the waters get more treacherous, birth pains, goes over the falls, tribula uh, tribulation leading to eternal damnation, be part of the operation evangelism to rescue the perishing. All right, you get that? Let me read it again. Before the ship, the world goes over the falls. Or, uh, before, the, before the ship, the world, as the waters get more treacherous in times, birth pains, go over the falls, the tribulation leading into eternal damnation, be part of the operation evangelism, that's what we're here for, to rescue the perishing. So that's kind of my take on Matthew or Mark chapter 13. Let's look at our passage today, Mark chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 28 to 37, and then we're going to look over at 2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> Verse 28, Mark 13. Now then, learn this lesson from the fig tree. He's already talked about a fig tree before, but he's talking about it again. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But only the Father. Be on guard. Be, what's that next word? Alert. Alert. That's why you got that thing in your bulletin. You need to be a alert. All right? Be alert. You do not know when the, that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And then go back to Second Peter chapter 3. And hopefully you bring your Bible to church. We don't have it up on the front there. Because if, if we put the verses up here on the, on the screen, you wouldn't bring your Bible to church. I know you. I know you. So bring your Bible to church because we look at it. There is a pew Bible there if you're interested. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. 
Talking about Noah. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. They will pass away. We read that in our text. Being kept for the day of of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. And if you're thinking, when is the Lord going to come back? This is an interesting verse. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So if that is true, it was just a couple of days ago that Jesus died on the cross. All right, when you think about that, it was just a couple of days ago. So, I mean, it could be a couple more days in this language before the Lord comes back. I don't know. But it also could be an hour or ten minutes in this language, if you get the drift. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. And here's why he's patient. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Well, that's a good question. As we're waiting, what does God want us to do? Well, here it is. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, the home of us. So there, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote uh, you with the wisdom that God gave him. I think this is interesting. Uh, uh, Peter says this about Paul. And there's a, a chapter in Galatians where Peter and Paul get into a pretty good argument. You ought to read that. This is, this is what Peter says about Paul. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. I think that's funny that that made it into the Bible. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and uh, unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. I just think that's kind of funny that that got in it. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow, here you go again, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So that's a couple of passages that kind of give a little bit of a similar picture of the end times. So, as we've read, because the Lord is coming like a thief in the night, no one knows, so keep watch. If you're taking notes, the first thing you can write down is the illustration. The Lord gives an illustration, and it's an illustration about a fig tree. And uh, the Lord says this, now learn. So when it says learn, there is an assumption that it can be learned. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. Now, Jesus talked about a fig tree in Mark chapter 11. and In fact, he cursed the fig tree of Mark chapter 11. They're going down to the temple, and Jesus sees a fig tree, and it has leaves on it. 
A fig tree that has leaves on it should have figs. All right, we talked about that a few, uh, few uh, weeks ago. Jesus gets down to the fig tree that has leaves that should have figs, and it doesn't have any figs. And so Jesus says, forget the whole thing, and he curses it. The idea behind that is that it was a picture of the Jews. There should be some fruit. There should be some fruit. And, and when you think of, of your own life, you know, you think, you think of the fruit. I mean, the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. You know, the things that they produce, the good deeds that they do. You're not saved by good deeds, but they're a result of your salvation. And so he sees the fig tree and there's no fruit and it's a picture of the Jews, no fruit, not even a little. At the time of leaves, there should be even a little bit of fruit and there's not. And so Jesus uh, condemns the fig trees. Now we come to another lesson here about the fig trees. It's really a simple lesson. lesson. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. I told you a few weeks ago that I'm just excited about the trees. They're finally getting green and they're getting leaves and the grass needs to be mowed and it's a wonderful time of year. The barrenness of winter is over and springtime is here and soon summer will be here and Jesus says exactly the same thing. When the leaves uh, get on the fig trees, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happen, you know that it is near right at the door. So Jesus is saying basically, hey, you can take a peek out into the world and you can see the leaves. And when you see the leaves, you know that summer is near. Well, in our world, you can take a peek out there and you can see the craziness that's going on and maybe the time is short. And so we need to be aware. That's what it's talking about here. It's a simple illustration, and the idea is that if you see the things happening in verses 1 through 27, especially 14 to 23, you know that the second coming is at the door. And then he says uh, in verse 30, he says, uh, I tell you the truth, and we're going to look at the next point, and this next point is this generation I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Hey, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So uh, immediately, I'm sure the disciples were thinking, well, what generation is he talking about? What generation? Well, it's the generation that sees these things happening, these things the leaves coming on the trees, those things, those crazy things. In uh, Mark chapter 13, 1 to 27, especially 14 to 23, when that generation sees those things, they will not pass away. They will not die because the world is going to come to an end. This is the generation that will see the end. This generation will see the rapture, the seven-year tribulation, the second coming, and the beginning of the millennial kingdom. That's what Mark chapter 13 is all about. And again, probably the greatest controversy is not in the understanding of that, but it's in the when of that. When is this going to happen? 
And really, probably one of the bigger controversies is when is the rapture going to happen? The Bible talks about a rapture. Is it going to happen before the tribulation? We call that pre-tribulation rapture. Is it going to happen in the mid? Is it going to happen three and a half years through the tribulation? We call that mid-tribulation rapture. Or is it going to happen toward the end? We call that post-tribulation rapture. Now, here's the scoop. Nobody knows. Right? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And my thought is, I'm hoping for pre, because I really don't want to go through all that yucky stuff that it talks about in the book of Revelation. But if I see in chapter 13, verse 14, the abomination of desolation standing where it's not supposed to be standing in the temple, that, according to the Bible, is the beginning of the tribulation. If I see that, then my pre-trib idea is out the window. And so then I'm really hoping for mid-trib, all right? Because I know that the latter part of the seven-year period is really going to be bad. So I'm hoping for mid-trib. But if three and a half years passes and I don't get raptured, well, then I'm going to say, Lord, help me to hang on because I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be tough. So the, the, the idea is, and there's a lot of controversy here, and I'm not saying that you've got to believe anything. I'm saying that, and here's the great thing about being a Baptist. Nobody can tell you what to believe. Nobody can tell you what to believe. You are responsible to go to God's Word, and you look to see what God is telling you, and then our denomination doesn't tell us what to believe. I don't tell you what to believe. Your spouse probably ought not to tell you what to believe. You believe what you believe as you go to God's Word and discern for yourself the Holy Spirit's leading. But one thing we can know, and it's certain and it's wonderful, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God's words are our firm foundation, our solid rock. God's word is eternal. It's good yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's why we say, if I've, did your parents ever say, if I told you this, I told you a million times. Well, we've said a million times, maybe not quite, but from our pulpit, God's Word is our final authority for what we believe and how we behave. And God's Word, we are told here, will never pass away. So if you want to learn how to, how to behave, you go to God's Word. If you, if you want to know what to believe, you go to God's Word. And God's Word, even though heaven and earth will pass away, God's Word will never pass away. So then, in light of our first two points, there is an action to be followed, and it's point number three. Be alert. alert. All right? Be alert. All right? A little gimmick. All right? Very, very little. All right? Be alert. Be alert. The generation that sees these things are to be alert. We could be that generation. We could be that generation. Things are shaping up that look similar to Mark chapter 13 and 2 Peter chapter 3, which we read. We are called to be alert. Theology talks about the preeminent return of Christ. And the preeminent return of Christ means that the rapture could occur, could occur at any moment. So the idea is be ready. But if the rapture does not happen... We still should be ready. You and I should still be ready if we never see the rapture. 
Why? Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Do you? So while I was on this trip with Adam, we were hiking up that area that I told you we, we just couldn't, couldn't go any farther because we wimped out. But uh, we were sitting down. We, we sat down about every 10 steps or so because it was straight up. And so we sat down. This woman comes up and she sits right, right beside us. And uh, I said, hi, my name's John. And she says, uh, my name's Marianne. I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm hiking to the top of uh, Nevada Falls. Now, Vernal Falls was the first falls. Nevada Falls was the second falls. And uh, she didn't look maybe a whole lot more in shape than we were. And so I thought to myself, wow, that is a big hike. And she had the poles and everything. And I said, what are you going up there for? And she said, I'm, I'm uh, dropping my husband's ashes up there. And uh, so we started getting heavy-duty conversation here. I said, how did he die? And she said, well, suddenly, two months ago, just heart attack, died. He was 69. She said, I'm 59. And she said, uh, there were 15 places that we love to visit, and one of them is Yosemite, and I want to drop his ashes there. And she said, it's funny because his name was John, too. I said, wow. And so I said to her, I said, can I say a prayer for you? And so I went over and I put my, and she was crying, of course, uh, pretty much the whole time we were talking to her. And I said, can I say a prayer for you? And she said, yeah. And so I, I came over and I, I put my hand on her shoulder and just prayed for comfort, just prayed for peace, you know, in the midst of, of this heartache. And I mean, she was, she was crying and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, amen. And then uh, we, we were getting to move on. And I said, where do you live? And she says, uh, in Lake Arrowhead, California, I said, oh, I, I used to go to a, a, a friend's cabin there, and we knew of spots. And then I said, where'd you live, uh, where, where'd you live before that? She said, Upland, California. And I said, oh. I said, I lived in Upland, California. And she said, what street did, I said, I, I worked at the church at the top of Euclid. And the church at the top of Euclid was about 28th Street. She said she lived on 25th Street. So, I mean, it was just a quarter mile, half mile from each other. And I said... I said, why didn't you ever come to the, to the First Baptist Church of San Antonio Heights? And she said, because I'm an atheist. And so I had all that opportunity to see God work behind the scenes. Her husband's name is John. My name is John. She's on her way to drop off his ashes. I say a prayer for her. Uh, she talks about places that we've lived, I talk about church, and I said that, and then I find out she's an atheist. And, but then she said this, but I'll never turn down a prayer. And so then I thought, wow, this, and Adam and I, the whole way back, we were, we were just praising the Lord. We said, this was an epiphany. <laughs> Robin and I, we've been using that word. This was an epiphany. This was a God thing. And it was really, really, really exciting. And what I, you know, talked with her a little bit about is we don't know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And she certainly didn't know that two months ago her husband was going to die. So the idea is to be ready, be alert. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Now, there is this interesting passage that I told you I'd uh, speak on briefly. No one knows, this is verse 32, no one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun, nor the sun. 
Jesus, in his incarnation, when he became a man, restricted his godly attributes. He was no longer omnipresent. Jesus is not omnipresent. He couldn't be everywhere at the same time. Jesus, in his incarnation, restricted his godly attributes. The the Greek word is called kenosis. It means emptied. In Philippians chapter 2, Jesus says he emptied himself from his Godhead and he took on the form of a man. So, while on earth, before his resurrection, I, I believe what the Bible says, Jesus does not know at this time when he will return. But after the resurrection, and it's funny because in our men's Bible study, uh, we've, we've had conversations about this for, for, well, years. When did Jesus finally know, you know, these things? I think it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, when they say, again, the disciples say, hey, when's all this going to happen? Jesus says, it's not, for, it, it's not for you to know the time that the Father has set by his own authority. He doesn't say anything after his resurrection about, hey, I, don't, I still don't know the time. I just can't imagine that. I'm sure that Jesus, as he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, knows exactly the time of his second coming, Revelation 19.11, when he will return on his white horse. We may not be the generation that sees Jesus return, but we are still called to be alert. And so, point number four, he goes on and gives another illustration. And again, it's another simple illustration. He says, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. So the idea here is that... uh, the owner of the, sta- uh, the estate, he leaves and he puts his servants in charge. That's you and I. We're put in charge of the church, basically his uh, baby, his, his, uh, his, where he puts all of his marbles. When the Lord left, he uh, gave the church the responsibility to share the gospel. And so the Lord leaves and he puts us, his servants, and he tells one specifically to watch the door. And basically what he's saying here, those times are from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., Specifically, watch the door, and that's the time that the Romans had to watch the gate. Why was that the time the Romans had to watch the gate, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m.? Why do you think? It was dark, and people, that's when they sleep. And so that's when the Romans had to watch and guard the gate. People were sleeping. The idea here, and he uses that specific time with this concept of do not sleep, don't be sleeping. Because the Lord may come back, even if it happens to be evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not, fi- uh, do not let him find you sleeping. So as the passage in Second uh, Peter 3 says, be godly, live godly lives, do the things that please the Lord. And as I prayed in the pastoral prayer, Be about the master's business. The master's business is the great commission. Go into all the world and share the gospel. The great commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't be caught off guard. Keep watch. Be ready. Be about the master's business. Be alert. alert. All right? And last point. 
is the last verse. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Everyone is to watch. Jesus reiterates, and I think he says it five times in here in our short passage, be ready, be ready, gave this illustration, gave this illustration, be ready, be alert. And he concludes this passage in Mark chapter 13 to be ready. Everyone is to watch. We don't know when the rapture will come. We don't know when the abomination of desolation will stand. We don't know when we will take our last breath. So be prepared, be alert. Jim Valvano, basketball coach, died at the age of 47 from cancer. Maybe you've heard his story. It's an amazing story. And he always told his team that his bags were packed to go to the national championship. And he did in 1983, and he won the national championship. I thought that was interesting. He told his team to psych him up. My bag at the beginning. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go to the national championship. My bags are packed for heaven. How about yours? Are your bags packed for heaven? I heard that song this week. Well, my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. When Jesus is standing outside your door. Okay, that's not the way the song goes. But hey, I I changed it to, to, to give you that idea. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go. Are your bags packed? Are you ready to go when Jesus is standing outside your door? At the bottom of your bulletin, there's a therefore. And uh, I want to give you a verse to conclude our service uh, because it's a great verse and it begins with therefore as well. In light of all of this that we've been talking about, therefore, therefore, and it's 1 Corinthians 15.58. In, uh, in light of Mark chapter 13, all these messages, Wednesday of the Passion Week, and next uh, uh, tomorrow we'll be moving in, or next week we'll be moving into Thursday of the Passion Week. But First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, uh, 58, and it, it starts with the word therefore, therefore. So in light of what we're talking about here, this is the verse I want to leave you with. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we've got a job to do. and Yeah, we need to worry about... Well, not worry, but we need to be alert and be watchful of the end times. We don't know when that will happen. We believe in the pre... The imminent return of Christ, which means that the rapture could happen any time. The tribulation could begin at any time. We don't know. We don't know. But in the meantime, we are called to be alert, to be watchful. But even more than that, we're called to be about our Father's business. Uh, Be about the great commission and the great commandment. Be about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Be about loving the world. Being about serving the church being about standing firm and always giving yourselves fully to God's work. Lord, there's lots of assignments in the Bible, lots of actions. So may we be ready and willing to serve you as you lead.
Lord, thank you for the message. And if someone is, if someone doesn't have their bags packed, I pray that today they would understand the significance of that, that they would understand that you've got to get some packed bags because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And especially some spiritually packed bags because, uh, well, heaven and hell stand in the balance. And so, Lord, we, uh, we love your word and know that it won't pass away and we're going to cling to it. It's our firm foundation. It's our solid rock as well as Jesus, our Savior. In His name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching Scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service We'd love to meet you.